All right. Let's start this off with a listener question. Sound good? Questions. Are you intrigued? I am. (laughs) All right. So Ian is a college student who started a year ago as a civil engineering student in Texas who wants to go back, who originally, I guess, wanted to go back and get a degree in architecture. After about a semester and a half of engineering, found that it really wasn't the thing that he wanted to do. Hmm. Yep. (laughs) Civil engineering. And decided to go back to the original plan, which was to study architecture. He came across y'all's podcast, which is us, uh, in the process of getting the degree changed a couple months ago. And is now preparing for architecture school. Has generated a couple questions. So let's get to... There's actually maybe four questions here, but we'll see how far we can get through this. I'm sure we could stretch it out. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So in school... Ian knows that he should pay attention to everything, but what should he pay extra attention to that would often be looked over? And is there anything that's typically not covered well that I should study on my own time? Wow. Every school is different. I don't know if there's one way to answer that because different schools have a different focus and none of them seem to focus on the business side. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, the one that, you should spend more time seeking out and taking extra classes on is business, whether it's entrepreneurship, small business management, whatever it is, learn quick and book, you know, uh, quick books. That's always something because whether you're in a big firm or in a small sole practitioner, the one thing that we all realize quickly when we're doing that is that we didn't get enough business as part of the training because you know we're always wanting to deal with the pretty pictures right man i think that there's definitely that part of it for sure i that i just man is there any time for anything else when you're in architecture school besides your core classes i think that those just tend to kind of take over and it it's already so much burden on your schedule it's it's difficult to fit other things in i would also say that one comment that always sticks with me with an intern that was working with me and they were trying to decide whether or not they just finished their four years. They had gotten accepted to go back and do the the remainder of that. It was, it was one of the four, two programs. Mm -hmm. And so they were interning and the one good thing that, you know, I like to do, and I've said this, you know, countless times is taking people out onto job sites so they can really kind of see what is going on you know, because ultimately we're going to ask them to draw the things that they see under construction, right? Yeah. So you got to be connected to the work in some way because the, the firms aren't going to give you the time to go out and visit the job sites for the most part. But so after the first, so we were out there for practically a, an entire day um, out on the job site and it was the site walk, um, pay app reviews. It was the OAC meetings, the owner architect, you know, contractor meetings. Um, it was all of those things. And as we we're walking out, she looks at me and she's like, I didn't realize there was so much management in architecture. And so she had already finished four years of school and, and was just getting kind of exposed to that side of it. And probably if she would have finished up her degree without the kind of like gap between either professional degree or master's degree and the bachelor's of science that she had gotten, she wouldn't, she still wouldn't have known that. You know, there's like this, oh, a lot of people are in that position. I think they, they don't get any of that exposure. Exactly. And, and so, you know, learning things like 
construction management or if there's the opportunity to take some of like, you know, the construction management 101 type courses, because there are things that you are going to have to learn how to deal with and interface with a contractor, with your clients, with everybody else, you know, contract management. I mean, we no one ever, I mean, yes, we talk about it in, in pro practice, but do we really not to the level that we deal with in yeah, well, what do you have to, how much pro practice do you actually, are you required to take? It's never enough. I, it's never enough. Yeah. I mean, it's like one or two classes. It's like two semesters of pro practice. That's it. That's all you get. And, and we could rewind this and, and really just say that a lot of what we feel like are gaps in the education are things that you are going to learn on the job training. And so maybe not necessarily stressing too terribly much about what you don't learn is really kind of focusing on what you do learn and just making sure that, you know, you are really paying attention to like the lessons that they're, that they're teaching you. It's, it's that critical thinking, that analysis that you're really trying to, because all of the other stuff, it's going to come. It may come later than later than you want it to come, but it's still going to come. Do you remember that old uh, Matthew Broderick movie? about computers called war games uh i do yes do you remember the the famous line that the computer says in that movie other than shall we play a game that's it right oh and i that is what architecture school is that's true that's true okay i see where you're going now so many things are the the profession is a game uh networking is a game getting your license is a game and there are rules to each one of these games and they're all different from each other and and what i mean by by that kind of analogy is that if you really want to do well in school play that game yeah yeah because and the reason i say that is because like like there are different rules in the education I, the education system in architecture does not serve you to become an architect. There's so many ways in which it falls short, right? That the I would actually argue that it's totally broken. Would I trade my training in architecture school for something else? I mean, I've always said I wouldn't. I actually really enjoyed it, but that's because I played that game and it served me for that time. And depends what you want out of it. Like you're going to get as much out of it as you put into it. And so like is there always going to be something that you need to learn in this profession? Absolutely. There will always be something else that you need to learn. Do you need to do it all when you're in school? No way. No way you should not. And I think like you want to have a balanced life when you're in school too. And so don't try to cram more into that so that you can perform better when you get out. Like you're going to have to switch gears at that point and you're going to have to learn what the new game is that you want to play. Do you want to become a sole proprietor? Do you want to work in a small firm? Do you want to work in a big firm? Do you want to go work for a contractor? Do you want to work in the tech industry? Like those are all completely different games and the schools now rely on you to get an education in a lot of things after you get out because they can't teach it all when you're in it. There's just so, there's there's a lot here, I think. Yeah, and don't worry about like, you know, learning what would I learn because Honestly, I mean, that's what we do our continuing ed for. You know, we've got required hours per per year of us continuing to keep keep learning different different things in the trade, different aspects, management courses, project management courses, business development courses. There's all sorts of things that we do as we're 
evolving our career because then we start to realize, okay, here's what I know as I'm going into the profession. Let me start experiencing that profession and then let me figure out what I'm missing. I can fill in all of those blanks by going out and seeking, you know, that additional education. But now I can understand the trajectory that I want my career to go. And then you start looking for those, those experiences to help you that with that. Yeah. And I think that those experiences that you're talking about kind of fall into place over the summers. And that's where your internships really take the focus because that's your chance to, to start to round out your experience and actually find out where you want to start your career in the profession of architecture. Because you could go work for a contractor, you could go work for a school district, you could go work for an architecture firm, like you could work for a big one, you could work for a small one. And I think if I had one thing that I would do differently is that I would start interning as early as possible. I didn't, I waited a couple of years. I just worked like a normal summer job, right? Because I already knew that and it was comfortable for me. But I think if you really want to start to see the different facets of the profession, I think you want to get out of the the silo of working or or maybe every summer you just you target something different so that you get a well-rounded experience there and i think you're going to be able to offer more to where you land after you graduate than somebody who doesn't do those things because of those real experiences not just the degree i i can't overstate how unimportant it is kind of where you went to school for a lot for most firms nobody asks nobody cares where you went to school they just want to know like how fast can you learn how fast can you how much passion do you have for the thing that you're doing do you make it a great experience for the people that you're working with or are you are you bringing them all down like i think like that attitude is really important and so it's really important to find out quickly whether architecture is the thing you want to do. But number two, like there's so many paths you could take in architecture. Do you want to do project management? Ew. Sorry. (laughs) Do you want to be a designer? Guess what? Very few people get to do that. Like there's so many things to that, uh, to the career that you could take a different path in. It's just kind of a choose your own adventure, but also trial example, a lot of things so that you can start to figure out where you want to go and just try to get as big of an experience as you can, but I wouldn't try to cram more into a semester. Even now that there is, are things like YouTube, right? Where you can learn anything from anybody, but man, I just can't imagine cramming more in uh, because you still need to have a life when you're in school too, or else you're just gonna, you're gonna fry your yourself. Well, cause you also don't want to set up the, the bad habits that I will definitely say you and I did when we were there. It's like, you work and work and work and work and work. You don't really live a life per se. And then you get out into the profession and you work and work and work and work and work. And you don't live the life that you, you know, really want to. You're always working for because tomorrow. Because you're always working. Yeah. yeah, right. All right. So I, I, there was a lot in there. I think, um, and this kind of, I think we kind of touched on the next question, which was any tips in general to keep in mind is go through school. I think having having a well-balanced life is is probably a general tip to keep in mind <laughs> like um yeah that that's a big one yeah it's, it's okay like the, so it's pro tip live your life <laughs> yeah right it's yours right you only get one yeah and is there anything that uh ian should practice in the next coming month before the start of the semester hmm. 
practice? It's a good question. I don't, uh, man, what, what the heck is there's so many possible answers here, but there's also just like uh, brace yourself. Like, I think one of the biggest things that you have to come up, you come to terms with in architecture school is that you're going to get a lot of feedback. Most of it's not going to be good. (laughs) And so it's like, how do you start to prepare yourself? I think maybe meditation would be a good thing uh, to allow these things to pass through you and not affect you on a personal level. Like a lot of architecture school is unlearning the things that you thought were architecture and the way you thought were a process of problem solving. And they're not, they're just not the way that architects are trained. And so you're going to go through a transformation. And so you're also going to get a lot of uh, negative feedback on your work because you don't know how to approach the problem solving in a way that these professors are going to be expecting of you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And like that, you you really are the caterpillar in the cocoon who's going to become the butterfly. Like this is an evolution. This is a process that you're going to be going through. And so how do you develop that kind of thick skin yeah. um, as early as possible so that you can just really be objective uh, as you move through your design projects? I always tell everybody, it's like, you know, you only know what you know. And when you're going to school, the the whole point of you going to school is you don't know it right in your learning. And so if you take the negative criticism or just the criticism in general, um, and kind of internalize it and kind of take it personally, it's going to set a tone for you in school and it's just going to, it's going to suck for you. And if you basically just make that mantra to yourself. It's like, I only know what I know. And so if somebody says, well, don't you know what you're doing? No, I don't. And that's okay because that's why I'm here to learn from you. And so you may you know, yell and criticize for whatever it is that I don't understand. Maybe we should have the conversation about like, okay, what am I doing wrong and how can I improve? You know, how can I get better? Or are you sure you're teaching this right? <laughs> well, that's that's a huge piece of it right there. I think there's a lot of times that uh, I, I definitely didn't have this attitude in school, and I wish I did now, which is they work for you. You're paying them. And I have expectations when I'm paying somebody of how they're going to perform. And I I think it's important to remember that when they say, what do you mean you're done with your project? There's still eight hours left or whatever. Why are you doing it like that? And it's like, first of all, it's your life. It's your project. And these are the things that that you're paying them to help you along on this path. And if they're doing an in, insufficient job, you also get to let them know about that. They might not like that. They might, you could get on the shit list for that. But those are those are the kinds of things where it's like, like, don't let them destroy your peace of mind, your inner peace, your work-life balance, because of some expectation that they have of you to be 24 seven architecture, right? Like that, unless that's who you are, like be who you are. Don't bend and become who they necessarily think you should be based on who they were or are. Right. You know, it goes back to that whole habit creation thing too, because, you know, a lot of times a lot of professors are coming from the profession where they developed bad habits and they think that the bad habits that they had are things that they have this kind of like almost responsibility to pass on to the next generation. Yeah. 
Yeah, we that was a big topic of the the Cyark episode, right? Which was was very much in that in that line of thinking. It's like I suffered, so now you all must suffer too, because we all have to have the same experience, and that's not and, true. It's like you know, well, then maybe you're doing it wrong, right? Right. Um, Has anybody ever asked him that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just really, you know, honestly, feel confident. So, so when you are presenting um, this work that you, you know, decided that, you know, because there was eight more hours left in the day and you didn't, you decided not to work on it because you wanted to sleep or something like that. Just feel confident in the work that you are presenting. Feel confident in yourself of what you do know about that particular project. If it doesn't necessarily go very well that, you know, when you're presenting it or there's like, well, you know, I, I wish there was more. And it's just like, well, I need to understand exactly what you mean by more. I mean, what, what else could I have done? I mean, I, I did a lot. I don't know exactly everything. And so just throwing more things at it, is it going to make it better? Is it going to make it worse? I mean, you know, just, just have a little bit of confidence in yourself of what you're presenting, because honestly, the, there's a lot of times, even in the profession today, when we're presenting something to a client, we may not spend all night trying to devise, you know, a whole bunch of drawings and stuff for them. We're going to give them, you know, kind of like the intent drawing and then talk through it, have the conversation with them, have the, you know, the workshop with them so that one, they feel a part of the the process, but also get you off the hook of like, you know, oh, I only showed three different uh, variations of this toilet room, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I don't so, remember drawing you know, any of those in school. <laughs> uh, no, I did. <laughs> yep, I did. It's over there in the corner. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I think one of the things that, that comes to mind as you're talking about that is that, you know, typically in a, a design course, there are a couple of crits, right? There's a, well, there's, there's a lot, there's desk crits, but I'm not really talking about those. There's midterm and then final reviews of your project. And at least that's how it normally worked for me. And the, I think one of the attitudes that if I were going to give advice to somebody is like, that is your chance to get what you need from the jury. And I think a lot of times we take the opposite stance, which is I'm being judged. My work is being judged. Of course it is, but this is a tool. The charrette process, the the jury process, I shouldn't have said charrette process, that like this jury review process should be like this project is not, no one's buying it. No one's paying for it, right? So this is a tool for you to learn what could be better the next time you do it. Right. That's really the the whole purpose of this is so that by the time you're done with architecture school, that thesis review, when you present that, it's the culmination of everything you've learned. And so using these reviews as tools to get better, it is totally fair for you to ask questions of the jurors instead of them grilling you the whole time. And I don't see students taking advantage of that very often because the whole point is to make the project better, not get personal about how terrible of a job you did, how you didn't do the right drawings, how you didn't shade these things correctly, how I can't read the drawings, how, oh, you didn't even include all the ones that were, it's like all this surface level stuff. The real stuff is when you say, what could I have done to make it better? 
And of course, those are the things you're trying to think of as you're developing the project, but you're not, you're not going to, you don't have the experience, right? So give, cut yourself some slack and use those reviews as a, a time to find out what those things that matter are from the people who quote unquote are judging your performance, right? Because that's when you get to actually tap their insight and say, what can I do to make this better for the next time? I think that that, that's it. That's a big one. And I, I, in the charrette process, when you're working in an office, I think there's a lot of pressure on design teams to show the work to the office. At least this is in, in my experience. It's like, we want to show up. What are you working on? Nobody knows what anybody else is working on. And the actual point of a charrette should be to gather as much feedback as possible because we all have blind spots. Every team for, doesn't have all of the insight, right? And so these charrettes are a great time, even in a professional setting, to get as much feedback as possible and even to ask people for things that neither of you are thinking of. It's like, okay, so what should I be looking for right now? What I, You need somebody else's eyes on the project because we can't all design in a vacuum. Like it just, the project will never be as good if you do it all in a vacuum and you don't get that external input, that external prodding experience to to tap you when you need it to say, okay, you clearly haven't thought about this. You need to think about this. And then you get to decide if you're actually going to include that or not. But um, these are all tools. And I think uh, too many times we're just looking at these as final presentations and they're not, there's, there is no such thing really as a final presentation. (laughs) So funny you say that. So we've got a uh, submission that we're working towards right now and it's only a 50% and everybody's stressing over things and, and I'm constantly like slowing them down, trying to remind them that it's only a 50%. And I like, well, what do you mean? It's like, it's, it's only a 50% submission. So if you don't have it on there, it's fine. If you're going to go ahead and show me the work and it's incomplete, it is totally okay. And the reason why I say that is because what it lets me know is where we need to focus on next. You know, what do we have developed of those areas that are incomplete you know, are there things that we need to discuss with the client to get more input, or are there just things that we just need to kind of, kind of, you know, put our heads down and keep working on? But if we're not done with it and you are reluctant to show it, in some cases, it gives you this kind of like understanding. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe they just haven't thought about like what's going on with, you know, these restrooms. And, and specifically today, we were talking about restrooms. And, you know, we always joke about, you know, rest, you know, restroom plans and all this other stuff. And they were like, well, we don't even want to show these. And, you know, so there's nothing on them. It's just like, there's actually plenty of there of them, of stuff on here. Yes, we don't have it labeled and that might be okay. And I don't think that there's this big rush for us to get it labeled. But what it is doing is it's showing that we have thought about the architecture of this restroom and of these kind of typical restrooms. Back to bathrooms. That- <laughs> You just can't get away from these bathrooms, yeah, can you? Carmen? You know they they are part of the, the the thing, right? To me, it's showing what we've thought about, what we haven't thought about, and what we need to think about in the next iteration of our set of documents. There's so many people who stress over like I got to show you all of this work and stuff, and then they're like, then they start to freak out. It's like, oh wait, you know, I'm showing you all this work, but it's incomplete. Well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, what you're what you're showing is design intent. 
there's this, I, I think what I'm trying to get at with this example is, is it's okay to not know everything, but you know, it's also okay to show all of that information so that you can at least let everybody know what exactly it is that you are thinking about and what you haven't thought about and what you will think about. Yeah, I, I, I echo that. I think that that's, that's a big deal that not enough people think about it that way. I, I've seen so many times where it's like, this struggle to be fully complete, right? Every little T is crossed and I's dotted. And that is not the, it's, it's so funny because we have these like milestone submittals where there's like these quote unquote complete checklists and things that you have to, you're supposed to follow to get to those points. But the whole thing is the design process, right? There will be questions that come up during construction that need to be answered. Guess what? In construction, right? not before construction. And and it, you have to understand that mindset to be effective at all of the different phases to and, and to be comfortable to say, we don't have to decide that yet. Or we, we need input from these three other people before we can decide that and kind of understanding what those those are. I think I feel like we're off on a little bit of a tangent here, but the, this is all good stuff to kind of keep in mind. Uh, the next question is really for you. This one is uh, about architecture licensure in multiple jurisdictions, multiple states. Uh, so I'm I'm licensed in California, but you have licenses in multiple states. And the question is, if 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 somebody wants to move to another state eventually to do architecture there, okay. First of all, um, you never have to become licensed to do architecture, right? You can't call yourself legally an architect if you're not licensed or registered, depending on the state and what terminology they use. But say that the, the Ian here is licensed in Maryland and they want to move to Florida. Just hypothetical, Cormac, or not, not move to Florida, but do projects in Florida even. So from your experience, what does that process look like? And, and the, this, this, I'm going to tease Ian here. It says, what does the process look like? And is it worth it to move? <laughs> I, I don't think we can answer that. The second part. <laughs> yeah. It's, I was going to say that that's just, you know, that's a personal thing. And, you know, which is interesting. Historically, I was started testing and everything in Florida. All of my hours were carried with Florida. And so I just went ahead and finished everything out, even though I was already living in Maryland when I was finishing up my license. My first license was in in Florida. And so I kept it and I, I have kept it um, for o- almost kind of like, you know, nostalgic reasons. And by kept um, it, you mean like actually keeping the record, keeping the record. paying the, the dues, <laughs> paying, paying the fees, right. making right. sure that I keep all of my hours. And I was even just recently audited by the state of Florida for my hours and, you know, making sure that I had submitted all of the proper documentation and everything else. And so, you know, keeping multiple licenses in jurisdictions that you aren't necessarily practicing, it's a chore. And I think there's plenty of listeners and, you know, sole practitioners who do a lot of different work throughout the country who will echo the, you know, the chore of maintaining all of these licenses. And that's a choice, right? Like you could let, let, let them fall through or whatever. And, and that is, and it's totally a choice. Like, so now, you know, I've relocated and I'm living in Michigan. And the thing about it is, is honestly, the firm that I work for, I don't sign and seal. Yeah. You don't sign and, the drawings, which means you don't actually have your stamp on them. And so by working for a, a, a an architecture firm, 
there's going to be somebody who's probably a partner level in the firm who's actually stamping those drawings because they're the ones liable for the work and they also are the ones who have to oversee the work. Right. And so I'm the one responsible for the preparation of the documentation, you know, implementation of the design, you know, so on and so forth. But I am not the one who's actually signing and sealing and putting the liability on there. However, the person who is will then do a QC or quality control review of those documents to make sure that they are within the standard that they would go ahead and assume the liability. With all of that said, with all the like, you know, is it worth maintaining multiple licenses? So for me, you know, as I mentioned, I had kept my license in Florida. I was licensed in Maryland because I was working for a Maryland firm, which I'm still working for that Maryland firm. Um, but I don't necessarily need any of them if I am not the one signing and sealing them. Now, for me to call myself an architect, as you know, Evan, you alluded to, I need a license to be able to say that I am an actual registered or licensed architect. And so, you know, I will maintain one. And incidentally, the firm that I work for, because it's also you know part of a marketing. It, it, it's marketing as well, you know, because it's also I insurance, have, I believe, you know, in, you know, and everything else that I have, you know, that I have that, well, then there's always the conversation that you have. It's just like, you know, wherever you're working, does having a license help assist you with like the upward mobility, you know, does it, you know, kind of get you a seat at the table of leadership in the future, you know, of your, your profession, you know, like your professional trajectory, and, and yeah, in a way it does. And then sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you know, you can sit back and you think, eh, well, you know, I don't really need a license because I don't really do any of the signing and sealing. However, you just like feel out the firm that you're working for. And it's just like, do, does the requirement for me to say, get promoted to senior associate, you know, require that I have a, have a license or, you know, if I want to become a principal at this firm, you know, does it require me to have a license? And so, you know, these are decisions that, you know, the persons need to make. Now, I don't necessarily know if I'm actually answering the, like the multiple licensure thing because I'm not quite sure. I mean, like, well, what does the, the process look like when you got your Maryland license after you got your Florida license? What would you have to do? Well, so there are many states who require um, NCARB certification for you to acquire a different, you know, a license in another state. And then there's other ones that it's just a simple process of, you know, going through an application, following the whole application process with the, you know, architectural board of that particular state. And funny enough, it was just, just as easy for the state of Maryland to get my Maryland license by just going through their process, which was filling out an application, um, providing my transcripts, getting a letter of recommendation from three practicing architects that I work with that, you know, know my character and, you know, know, you know, my work ethic and everything else. And then providing the other state's license to show exactly, you know, that I, I have been licensed in another state or I am actively licensed in another state. And so that's how that process for me getting my Maryland license um, worked. Same thing, you know, now that I'm living in the state of Michigan, I actually think that I want to become a licensed architect in Michigan. Not sure I'm going to keep up with the other ones now because, you know, it, it doesn't like add any more like letters to your alphabet soup after your name. It doesn't give you any kudos points, especially in the, the like if you're working for a firm. 
it's like, ooh, look at you. You know, you're licensed in three states. And it actually might help if you're licensed in another state, if they're looking to do work there. If they are and they don't have that personnel in there, then they're like, oh, okay, you're actually a valuable, you know, you're a valuable commodity because, you know, now we can start doing work in Florida or we can start doing work in Maryland. But at least, at least it's easier to like, still might not want you signing the drawings, but it's, you know, when, Uh, when I think of the, the root of this question, which is like, is it, what does the process look like? Well, it looks like a lot of red tape. <laughs> it, it's just a lot of busy work and, and stupid stuff. It, I honestly think it should be a national, uh, but it isn't. And and so, yeah, it helps to have an NCARB, active NCARB record so that you can get reciprocity in other states. It's not too difficult. And the question is, I think what they're actually, what Ian's getting at when he asked if it's, is it worth it to move is like, are you kind of, held into one place if you choose to get licensed there is it so difficult to and it's not right it it's the answer is it's not so yeah like move, move wherever you want and and i think you know when you're talking about moving to another country yes they have a completely different system and you would likely have you would just have to do it there too like i know someone who's a licensed architect in brazil and they will not pursue their architecture license in the us because they have to start over like it's i'm sure there are similarities there's probably a lot of differences though. And you're basically starting from scratch, going through the licensure process. You got to get the hours, you got to get people to sign off on those, all of those things you would have to do again in another country. But some people are willing to do that as well, right? So it kind of depends on, on you again, as a personal decision. So I think, man, I, there's people, there's architects that I know who are, are licensed in many states. And the reason I think it should be national is because this is just crazy, right? Every state's collecting individual dues. They all have different CE requirements. It's up to you to manage all that. CE is continuing education. You have to do every, every year or two, depending on the state. And like, if you, especially if you're on the East Coast, like all those states are, I'm in California. It's as big as like 20 of your states over there. Right. It's it's ridiculous that you would have to get a license in every single one of them if you wanted to do anything larger than a residential project or a, a remodel to to do that. Uh, it's That's messed up. Well, just think about this, like the time it takes for you to say, like, drive to L.A. from where you live. You could have been um, through three states. I could be, you know, <laughs> like so from the Maryland area where I was at yeah, Maryland, D.C., Virginia possibly um even delaware and so now you've got you know four different jurisdictions that you could be in and you could be licensed in you know in just a short two-hour drive you spend quite a bit of money it's not it's not nothing but it's not and it's it's it adds up you know in my particular case so i have you know i'm carrying my florida license well i also have to take an advanced code course and so that advanced code course costs money my firm pays for one of my licensures. Well, they pay for the state where I am, you know, where they're located. So the more expensive you know, one. <laughs> well, actually, the, no, they, they pay for the cheap one. Bummer. <laughs> exactly. And so then for me to um, maintain my Florida license, that's a choice for me because one, the firm doesn't need me to carry a Florida license. So while I carry my Florida license, the actual fee itself, the annual fee isn't really that expensive. But, you know, the the maintenance of the hours and things like that, you know, can add up cost wise because I'm paying, you know, I pay extra money to actually get a, you know, those advanced courses to make sure that, you know, I'm staying up to speed on changes in like the Florida building code, 
um, or hurricane standards or whatever it is. And if you don't practice there, you really want to be learning about that stuff when you could be doing something better. Exactly. Yeah. I think all but of those you never things know. are worth thinking about. Oh, um, holding out hope that somebody reaches out to me and says, you know, Hey, uh, do you want to um, do a project for me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think we hit, all of Ian's questions, and I, I appreciate the questions. I think these are all things that are kind of opaque to students when it comes to um, being proactive about understanding what you're kind of getting into in the profession. Because the, like I said earlier, the education process I think kind of fails almost miserably at preparing you to practice. And yet, I don't know that there's a better way because there are so it is such a wide landscape of potential that you could choose to go down. And so it's, it's kind of more of like a general education in architecture that then you, you could specialize in something of your choice after the fact. You could go to grad school to further that endeavor if you wanted to really specialize in something. Anyway, I think that there's, there's so much potential that, that isn't necessarily presented to you during school. During my school, it was all about design. Other schools are better about um, understanding how projects go together. Other schools are better about uh, business. Other schools are better about technical ability. And so you've already picked your school. You're kind of at the mercy of the curriculum that's there. So what do you do beyond that? That's what you use your summers for. You get internships. You target different types of places to really f- fill out your perspective of what architecture is as much as you can. Uh, you maybe augment that with, with podcasts and, and YouTube and, you know, getting additional perspectives from the, the best minds in the industry. Uh, just, just a little hint there. And then, uh, you know, beyond, beyond that and starting to get into licensures, I, man, there's, there's a huge movement. It just, I don't know if it's a movement as much as it's a, a stagnation of people who are, I think are actually getting licensed and see the value in that, um, but for those who do, I mean, it it is there. There is something to it, as Cormac you mentioned. Like there, like it does get you a seat at certain tables when you have that license. Then there's also once you're actually in school taking, you know, your courses and stuff. There are also other opportunities for you to become licensed. You know, either upon or shortly after graduation. Oh yeah, why don't you talk about the, these two guys from Auburn? Sure. So just a couple of years ago, I had participated in a basically just uh, being a, a, a studio kind of like, I don't know, advisor, critic, whatever. But we worked with uh, my school at Auburn University. And so I met, you know, like all of these uh, fourth year students. And, you know, it was good kind of like chatting with them and like learning about them and everything else. Two of the guys that were in this particular studio, they had, 10 months after graduation had already completed their AXP, their architectural experience, something or whatever it's called. It was IDB for us. They took their tests. They, they met all the criteria. They are, um, they are AIA. And, you know, it's, and so it's, it's interesting. And in fact, actually the article is that, you know, they are, you know, two of the youngest uh, registered architects uh, to ever receive their um, registration. You, you and I are the other end of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> we were a little on the older side. But, you know. but the funny thing is, like, there's no wrong way to do this. No, Everybody will tell you that you are doing it wrong, but there is no wrong way to do this. Like, 
they got their license. I hope they never have to use it, right? Because they're too inexperienced. And then at the same time, like a lot of people who get a license, their goal is to never stamp a set of drawings, right? So it it kind of depends on what you want to do with your career. And like kudos to them for just getting it over with and getting it out of the way. Guess what? They never have to worry about that again. How much burden did you and I feel the weight on our shoulders waiting so long and such a protracted test experience that we had what i started in 3.0 or 3.1 and had to do it in four and then five was already coming out like there's these different versions of the test that are massively different four five yeah yeah all of the numbers right and and it's 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 kind of crazy making to deal with that and having kids and having a career and like all of that stuff piling on top of each other. Did I do it wrong? Yeah, I did. Guess what, though? Everybody does it wrong. Did you get yours too early to these two students at Auburn? Everyone's going to say, man, they they're, they got it way too early. They don't have enough experience. But they're playing the game. Exactly. There's going to be the criticisms out there that you know says, oh my gosh, you know they got licensed. They don't even know anything. They've only been in the profession for 10 years. And and honestly, in 10 months. And, and, and honestly, that's not the thing. I mean, we just had this conversation about like, architecture tends to be a very OJT type project. I mean, we learn so much on the job. We learn so much from our peers and our leaders that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when, because the, the firms that they're, they're working for aren't going to have them sign and seal you know, the documents and take the liability on because the person who's doing that is going to be the insured person. And so rest you know put that out of your mind i mean that's not going to be the issue the issue is is that you know people are going to be like oh my gosh they didn't know and you know i had this that belief at one point in time it's like i shouldn't be taking this test because i don't know everything yet now i sit back here and say i am never going to know everything about this profession everything about even some of the stuff that i'm working on you know and so it's just you know you give it your best shot all of that part is just you know stuff that you're going to learn how to do and so whether you get it you know, early. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I, I I felt very proud that, you know, one, I know these, these two guys and that, you know, they, you know, are basically, you know, like working really hard at it. I mean, at first, you know, I remember when they first actually announced, not these guys, but just, they announced the, this program in general. And I was like, mm, I don't know, man, you know, you really, we just, you, you need that experience. I'm like, and then the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I experienced the profession, the more and more I thought it was like, you, you know, as I just said, you're, you're never really going to get the experience. You're never going to like, say when you graduate, you don't have a lot of experience of the profession. So, but then as you're, you know, you know, working through the profession, you don't have, you, you know, you're always getting experience every single day, every single project, you're going to learn something new. And so you're never going to not stop learning. So Get that dumb little thing out of the way. <laughs> Start paying those I wish dues I, as early as possible. Exactly. I wish I honestly would have, um, you know, told myself that so early on because I remember sitting at a table with a bunch of my friends who we were at a conference and they were all licensed. And I was the only one at the table who actually had more experience than almost every one of them at Combined. the table. Combined. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ouch, but You're possibly. Old. <laughs> and, and when, like, out of the blue, somebody like turns to me and says, Cormac, you're not licensed? Right. Well, yeah, there's just an expectation at some, at some and point. And it was like this almost sense of embarrassment in a way that I wasn't. 
Um, you know, and, and for a while I kind of just hid the fact that I wasn't because I was so far, so long in the tooth of the profession and, you know, just so far into well, practice that I did And there's others in the profession who are like, hell no, I don't have a license and here's why. Right. And exactly, exactly. Yeah, to each their own, you know, right? <laughs> and, and, but then I realize I'm like, you know, I, I start to see other people getting licensed and I'm like, they're getting promoted and I have more experience and more you know, I've, I've got more years, more experience than them, but they're getting promoted over me. And that's what made that, that's what really kind of kicked it in. It's like, I was leaving so much money on the table for, you know, being able to advance in the, you know, the firms that I was working for, I couldn't advance in the firms that I was working for. I was going to be stuck in certain things. They're like, well, we can't really call you a project architect because, so we'll call you a project because you're not an architect. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, you just need to know if that's a, a thing or not in the firm that you're at. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to be a sole pro- proprietor doing projects, then yeah, you need a license. Then right? you definitely will be. <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyway, there's so much in there. Uh, uh, hopefully this was helpful to Ian and anyone else out there who is contemplating these things but not asking them out loud. So I know that that was helpful for more people than just Ian. And uh, if, if other listeners have stories about this and other points of view, uh, I'd love to leave a comment on the episode if you go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 272. You can leave a comment and that's uh, that's a great place to kind of continue the conversation, add additional perspectives and keep the conversation going. And I'd also like to possibly hear um, from Ian and just, was this even helpful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Or did, or did you, you did know, we miss the we mark. Ramp- <laughs> yeah, did we, did we ramble on so much that you just like, yeah, I'm gonna, my I'm eyes glazed over. Like, yeah, I'm com- contemplating going back to civil engineering now. So. Yeah, it's just like, let me go find some uh, civil engineering podcasts. Don't do it, Ian. Talk about boring. <laughs> Jeez. All right, man. Till next time. All right. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G A B L. M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon. <laughs>